0: Big news, Imogen. Uh, I know that you've been on the edge of your seat for updates on this. Mm-hmm. The stairwell has sold.
1: The stairwell sold!
0: Yes, and not only did it sell,
1: oh, God.
0: it sold for 20% more than the starting bid. Uh, 32,000 US dollars, that's 25,000 pounds, or about 50 grand, NZ.
1: Still a bargain, if you ask me, though. Did yeah. you see that video? Plenty of space.
0: Yeah, this is in reference to a story that we talked about yesterday. Um, a detached, disused stairwell <laughs> in a prime spot in London. Yes, you heard that right. Stairwell, uh has sold for 50000 New Zealand dollars. Now, what will the new buyer do with it? Who knows?
1: Oh, I'm so excited to find out. I wonder if we'll be able to keep. Up to date with it.
0: I would love to follow the journey of the steel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I really hope maybe they start an Instagram account or something, you know. That might even
0: get me to join Instagram.
1: That would be it? Okay. Yeah. Leave it with me, mate. <laughs> Let me see what I can do.
0: <laughs> Kia ora, this is newsable. I'm Emil.
1: And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. Ukrainian drones are making strike. On Moscow, but is it making a significant difference in the war?
0: Also, our economics man casts his eye over the latest unemployment figures and translates what they mean for you and me. We
1: also cast an eye over the latest legal charges against the former president and current 2024 Republican frontrunner. I'm speaking about the one and only Donald J. Trump.
0: And a runaway pig is terrorising Auckland. That's it. That's, that's the teaser.
1: Can you say that's the tweet anymore, or do you have to say that's it? That's, that's the X. The X.
0: <laughs> that's, the, that's the Z.
1: Something for us to uh, research. Anyway, we've got all that coming up in a moment here on Usable. Usable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit slash support. Kyiv has warned Moscow that conflict could soon move into Russian territory as drones hit a skyscraper in the Russian capital for a second time. Ukraine hasn't admitted responsibility for the attacks, but Russia's defence ministry is blaming Kyiv.
0: So could this flag a new and perhaps even more dangerous stage in the war? We're joined again by Jen Kirby, who writes for Vox on the conflict. Jen, thanks for coming back onto to Newsable.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: What would it mean for the war to be taken to Russia's doorstep in, in, in your mind?
2: Ukraine has conducted strikes within Russian territory um, within the past year of the war. Oftentimes, those strikes have targeted... You know, energy infrastructure, uh, facilities that might contribute to the logistics um, and resources of the war. We had seen in May a potential drone strike also in Moscow. So this seems to be potentially an escalation, a way for Ukraine to send a message to Russia that we can take the war to your doorstep. It is a bit of a warning shot, I think. But so far, we have not seen The kind of mass casualties or things like that that we've seen, um, you know, in Russian strikes in Ukraine. So this very much seems to be Ukraine to send a message to the Russian government, the establishment and the Russian people that there is a cost to continuing to wage this war.
1: What are the wider ramifications and, I suppose, dangers here when it comes to Russia's reaction?
2: We know that when, you know, the United States and Europe had considered what weapons and how to equip Ukraine, a lot of the consideration had gone into what might provoke Russia, what might escalate the conflict. Of course, we've seen in the past year and a half that that line continues to move. But I think in some ways, this is a subplot to the larger story in Ukraine, which of course is the ongoing Ukrainian counteroffensive. And I think when we think of how Russia might respond, how they might, you know, escalate, we should think about it in the context of how things are playing out also on the battlefield.
0: Is this kind of a signifier of what war is like in 2023, Jen, in the sense that like, you know, you can send a drone, like nowhere is unreachable at any time?
2: Yeah. And I think that's very much the message Ukraine wants to send to the Russian government. We can reach you. You are not out of reach. And so if you continue to wage this war, if you continue to strike our cities, we have that possibility. At the same time, it is kind of remarkable because we've seen on the battlefields of Ukraine, this kind of World War one style trench warfare, artillery battle. At the same time, it's Rather than transforming the war, these kinds of technologies like drones are integrating with this old school version of, of warfare that we haven't seen for centuries and kind of creating a new war where we have these incredibly new technologies. But at the same time, the battlefield doesn't look all that different from what we've seen in the past in some respects.
1: With the, the, the drones hitting the skyscraper for the second time, is this a dangerous move for the rest of Europe?
2: I think it's a little bit hard to say at this point. You know, the New York Times reported, for example, that these seem to be part of Ukraine's own industry and its own investment. So this is not at least so far, it does not seem as if Ukraine is using, you know, Western, you know, weapons explicitly to do this, uh, which potentially is a risk. And it's a little bit too early to say how this might have wider ramifications for Ukraine um, and the region.
1: Jen Kirby, thank you so much for your time and joining us once again.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: We're going to do a bit of an email readout tomorrow morning. Uh, So if you've got something to say, like the others who have emailed us, Now's the time to get in touch. Flick us an email, usable at stuff.co.nz. And I'm talking about anything. Something you heard the other week on our pod that you want to express yourself on. Go on, flood it.
3: I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
1: You don't want to be held to account well, no, on okay, what? rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime
3: statistics. No, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang
1: into the national parties no, attack line no, there. But that I po- think it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction.
0: It, it, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. That's, Nothing that's if in there on. that sits with you perfectly. fine. That's what,
1: that's
0: what we're focused on.
1: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.
0: The latest quarterly unemployment rate has gone up slightly to 3.6%. That's a small change of just 0.2 of a percent.
1: In March, the seasonally adjusted unemployment rate was 3.4%, unchanged from last quarter. So what do the latest figures mean? To tell us more, here's BNZ's Chief Economist, Mike Jones, our favourite economy guy, for today's The Pulse. Kia ora, Mike. Hi, guys. Mike, what does this rate tell us about what's happening with the economy?
3: Well, the economy is struggling a bit. We know that. We've talked about that before. I think what we've seen from the numbers today suggests that that is starting to feed through into one area of the economy that's been relatively strong, which is uh, the labour market. So, as you said, unemployment lifted uh, a little bit to 3.6%, and we also saw wage growth throttle back as well. So it's it's still a picture of strength overall. I think what we're seeing is the labour market perhaps go from kind of red hot to orangey heat, but it is a sign that the Reserve Bank's war on inflation with interest rates is seeping through deeper into the economy.
0: Yeah, well, on that point, you know, because a lot of people have cited this low unemployment rate, stubbornly low unemployment rate as an indication of a soft landing as far as a recession is concerned. Do today's figures change that narrative at all or more of a blip, do you think?
3: I think the jury is probably still out on, on soft landing stuff. But there was a couple of interesting things kind of along those lines in the numbers today. One is that it was probably another tick in the box for the the job rich recession that we've been talking about. So recessionary conditions are kind of here. We think they'll stick around for a wee while, but the labour market overall should remain pretty sturdy when no one's talking about big job losses. We're talking about wage growth remaining pretty strong overall. And, and the numbers we saw were very much consistent with all of that. The second interesting and and probably the bigger story from these numbers is that um, unemployment went up even though uh, firms carried on hiring. So we actually saw a big mm-hmm. lift in employment. It's just that we saw an even bigger lift in labor supply, mainly through migration and extra population growth. So unemployment's rising because of, of extra supply rather than you know firms kind of shutting up shop and, and stopping hiring. So both of those things provide us with some comfort, I think.
1: Unemployment and the so-called underutilisation rates have been sitting at near record lows for more than a year. So what's happening for individuals in the job market?
3: Well, we're seeing not just in New Zealand but globally this labour shortage occur where through the pandemic demand was stimulated and kind of ran ahead of the amount of workers that were around to do the job. So labour demand was exceeded by supply. We also saw borders shut everywhere. So labour couldn't move around the globe into where it was needed most. So uh, we very much saw a pendulum shift from power being with employers to employees. We saw really good wage growth, competition for workers, lots of opportunities. So that that is more or less still the case. But I think what we are seeing is a bit of, of normalisation and, and more balance coming into uh, the labour market.
0: Mike Jones from BNC, thanks very much, as always, for your time. Thank you, guys.
1: As we know, Donald J. Trump is in a ab- Spot of legal bother. Yesterday, those bothers were compounded with a special counsel charging the former president with four further criminal counts. Trump is now at the centre of at least four separate criminal investigations at both state and federal levels. It's a lot to keep track of. Today, we're going to focus on these most recent charges, which relate to interference in the 2020 presidential election. So, Emil, please explain what's going on. What's the background to all this?
0: Okay, so the background is after the shambolic aftermath of the 2020 US election and the March on the Capitol and all that jazz, a special counsel was tasked with investigating Trump's attempts to overturn the results of that election. And that special counsel is what has now come back and formally charged Trump with four different crimes.
1: And what are those charges?
0: So the first one is conspiracy to defraud the United States. A really broad charge. Uh, The indictment alleges Trump and six co-conspirators who have not been named yet worked to overturn the election results using knowingly false claims of election fraud. That's the first charge. The second one is conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding. This relates to Trump trying to stop Congress from certifying the election results the third one is is pretty similar. It's obstruction of an official proceeding. Um, this relates to Trump trying to stop the certification of the Electoral College vote. And the fourth charge is uh, conspiracy against rights. This has surprised some legal nerds in the US who weren't expecting this charge to be levelled. It's, it's expected that prosecutors will try to argue that Trump tried to tamper with the 2020 election results in some battleground states.
1: These sound very serious. Is my analysis correct?
0: Yeah, like, they are. Like, these are pretty serious charges. Um, All four of them have a maximum sentence of at least five years jail time, and the ones that relate to obstructing an election, um, the middle two that I just went through, they have a maximum sentence of 20 years imprisonment. This is is big-ticket stuff. Mm. But most legal experts who are commenting on this case say if he is found guilty, it's a big if, The sentences would probably be merged together, so it's not like he's going to be serving 50 years in prison or anything like that. Sure.
1: Presumably Donald Trump's taken these charges in a way we've seen before.
0: The Trump campaign says these charges are election interference in a statement issued minutes after the indictment was released. It says... President Trump will not be deterred by disgraceful and unprecedented political targeting! Uh, with an exclamation mark, it also reiterated accusations that the indictment is part of a witch hunt against him. And remember, he is still, by quite a distance, the Republican front runner for the 2024 election. Hey, we're still going to be talking about a runaway pig terrorising motorists in Auckland. But remember, if you are enjoying what you're hearing do chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform it really helps other people to find us as well
1: if you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead the Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime sport history culture and more you also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. We've said this a couple of times on the pod, so don't worry. We are aware of these bold claims we so frequently make. But this could be our favourite story of 2023. Pig on the loose on Auckland's Norwestern Motorway.
0: Yes, authorities have been trying for weeks to capture a piggy that has made itself home near this busy motorway, but the swine swindles their attempts every time. Swindle might not be the technically correct word to use, but I really wanted to put swine and swindle. In the same sentence.
1: This is honestly my favourite story. How does a pig evade capture for so long? Joining us now is staff reporter Caroline Williams, who has been chief pig correspondent. Welcome to the podcast. Kia
4: ora. And
0: congratulations on your illustrious title as well.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I think there'll be many a journalism student listening to this and just getting so much inspiration. Uh, What's the latest, Caroline? What do we know about where we're at with Operation Capture Pig?
4: So all is not swine in Auckland. (coughs) Um, We've been uh, dealing with some feral pigs running around, causing mayhem a couple of times over the last few weeks. But yeah, this latest incident, we had this pig, which apparently has taken up residence in a big spot of bushes alongside the north-western motorway, near quite a chaotic um, interchange near Te About, I think on the 22nd of July, we first became aware of this pig after it was seen hoofing it down the motorway. (laughs) And armed police were actually called that time to try and get it, but it managed to um, evade them that time. We had a bit of a, a traffic ham, if you will, um, when the pig was spotted sunbathing um, just on the side of the road.
0: Caroline, where did this pig come from? What is the origin of this story, please?
4: Mm. So Auckland Council's animal management team, they believe that the pig was a pet pig that escaped or you know, has just been on the run. The interesting thing is they say they think the pig is becoming feral, and it's
0: becoming feral.
4: Becoming feral. And this is actually, this is this blows my mind actually. I did some research and when pigs turn feral, it's a process that takes a couple of months and they actually undergo like physical changes um, <laughs> when they become feral. So they what? can grow tusks, they can grow <laughs> thicker hair and they just become more aggressive in personality. Why has it been so hard to nab this piggy? Pigs can run quite fast. Um, so that's potentially <laughs> part of it. Waka have set up, with help of animal management, a trap in the bushes, and they've put up some cameras around this trap, which is filled with some yummy pig food, mm. I guess. But on camera, they've caught the pig looking at the trap, but the pig's never actually gone inside the trap, so it's, um yeah, apparently it's smart. quite smart. It's too clever.
0: Mm. Does the pig have a name?
4: Pig does not have a name, but, you know, I'm Chief Pig Correspondent, I'm happy to throw Caroline <laughs> in, the, Whoa! in the mix. <laughs> How does the pig
0: not have a name? I feel like that's the first thing that you would do, isn't it?
4: I mean, maybe they're hesitant to give it a name because things might not work out for this pig. I don't think things are going to work out for this pig.
1: Caroline Williams, thank you so much for your time, Chief Pig Correspondent. I think on that note we're calling it a... Eh? That's Newsball for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
0: And I'm Emil Donovan. Thanks very much for listening and we'll catch you tomorrow.
1: And if the pig is yours, get in touch newsable news that's worth talking about if you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz/support